0: Well, it is good to have you with us, whether you're with us online or on campus. For those of you on campus, would you, in fact, you could do it online if you'd like because they have little emojis with applauding hands, But, but if you're on campus, would you help me welcome the Anderson University men's football team? They're the guys in orange, all right? Glad to have these guys with us today. As, uh, as I was sharing with you a couple of weeks ago about that freshman year of college when I had the professor who made us study both the captions under the pictures and the footnotes, and I talked with you about how important it is to, to actually know the details, I, I, I come to this morning where I'm going to talk to you about what it means to live clean, and I have to come clean, all right? I, I, because last Sunday, I messed up. I I quoted one of my favorite 20th century theologians, a a man named F.F. Bruce, who is one of the primary authorities on the apostle Paul. The quote that I gave you is a very strong quote. It it talks about the fact that a baptism of repentance, the baptism John the Baptist was calling people to, is, is a baptism of anticipation. It anticipates what is going to happen, that the Messiah is going to come, and that you're going to have that opportunity to meet him whereas a baptism of Jesus, that's a baptism of fulfillment. You've already met Jesus. And so when you're baptized in the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because you've accepted Jesus, that's a different kind of baptism. And I don't want to retract the quote. It's a great quote. But where I have to correct myself is that I told you that F.F. Bruce was a former professor at Princeton University, and he never, ever, taught at Princeton University. I confused him with Bruce Metzger, who was also a 20th century New Testament scholar who did teach at Princeton. But when I realized my mistake, I, I thought I need to clarify, because the captions and the details matter in life. And then I realized yesterday that, that the university football team was going to join me, and I thought it was really interesting to let you know where F.F. Bruce really did teach. You see, he was a, an English theologian. From Great Britain, and he taught. You're gonna love this, Zach Talent, you're gonna love this. He taught at the University of Manchester, all right, in England. So, you guys, you have to know, for the football team, their their, their arch rival is Manchester University, Manchester College here in Indiana. So, this guy taught at Manchester, but He taught at the right Manchester, just to let you guys know, all right? So the the reality is that he taught there, and I need to come clean with that and let you know that I made a mistake last week when I was quoting F.F. Bruce. Now, here's the other reason it's important for me to come clean, because this morning we're going to talk about a story. We're going to talk about what it means to live your life clean. As we're coming out of the pandemic, as we're coming out swinging, we're, we're coming out understanding that regardless of a Delta variant, or as one of my friends said this, this week, uh, whether it goes from Delta all the way to Omega, whatever the, the variants are, we're coming out swinging as the people of God in the kingdom of God. We're coming out as people who, who know how to live beyond fear, who, who, know how to, who know how to live in the kingdom of God. And so this morning, I want to read you a story. It's, it's one of my favorite stories out of all of Scripture. It happens in the town of Ephesus where, where Paul has been with Priscilla and Aquila. For those of you who haven't been with us the last few weeks, Paul had, had come to this town of Ephesus. It was a town of about 250,000 people. It was a town that was the, that was the third largest city in the Roman Empire in the first century when Paul was there. It was a city that that was connected by the sea. It had a port where you could travel by ship anywhere in the known world. And it was also connected by roads where you could travel anywhere in the Roman Empire by those roads. And so people came from all over. And in Ephesus, there was this large contingency. There was actually a large Jewish synagogue there because there were Jewish business people who came from all over. And Paul, along with Priscilla and Aquila, were, were tent makers. They were leather workers. And as tent makers or leather workers, they, they were always working in the shop. And, and what was happening was that Paul was working in the mornings in the shop. And then from about noon till about 3 o'clock, when everybody else went, went home to, to take their rest and have lunch, Paul would go over to a place called the Hall of Tyrannus. And there he would teach about, about Jesus. And so that's the setting for what I'm about to read for you. It comes to us in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to start reading at verse 11, and I want you to hear this story. We're going to explore what it means to live clean when we come out swinging. And God, while Paul's teaching, was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched Paul's skin were carried away to people who were sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over the people who had evil spirits, saying, I command you, I adjure you, I beg you in the name of the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, come out of the person." Now, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit in the man answered them, Jesus, I know, Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was, the spirit, the evil spirit leaped on the seven sons of Sceva and overpowered them. Uh, The word actually says, mastered them all. So that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. He beat their clothes off of them. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a beating or not. I've had a few in my life, but nobody's ever beat the clothes off me. This man attacked seven men and beat them naked till they ran humiliated out of the house. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers in Jesus came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of everyone. And they counted the value of the books and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now, why do I like this story so much? I like this story so much because what it does is it it, it takes us into the real everydayness of following Jesus. Because you see, the presence of Jesus in your life, the, the presence of Jesus in Paul's life, was making a huge difference in this city called Ephesus. As you can tell you know, when I read you the text, Ephesus was a place where people practiced a whole lot of incantations and magic arts. They worshiped a goddess named Artemis or Diana, d- depending on who they, how they referred to it, but it was the same goddess. And, and, and as, they, as they worshiped that goddess, they also became infatuated with, with magic and incantations and things that they could put spells on other people with. And so here's Paul teaching in this place for a couple of years. And while he's teaching people about Jesus of Nazareth, who, who came and lived among us and did miracles and made blind people see and lame people walk and who healed leprosy and who did things in the bodies of people to make them whole again, God sees Paul at work and God decides, you know what, I'm going to use Paul. I'm going to do some of these same miracles that, I, that my son Jesus did in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And now I'm going to do them in this place that doesn't acknowledge me at all. And so Paul would teach, and he would pray, and he would heal. When it says by the hands of Paul, it it means that, that what Paul would do is he would physically touch someone and pray for them. And when he did, their body would get well. And when he did, their the, the, the evil inside of them, the, the, the demonic thoughts they had, the, the things that told them to harm themselves, the things that told them to, to do things to other people, those, those evil thoughts. And my friends, if you don't believe there's evil in the world, just watch the news, okay? Just go on Twitter. Stay on Twitter 30 minutes. You'll be convinced there's evil in the world, all right? There are people in this world whose, whose desire is to harm, but where does that desire come from? It comes from the enemy of our souls. It comes from this, this Satan who, who comes against us, who doesn't want us to, to know who God is, who doesn't want us to be, to be able to live our life in a holistic manner. And so what we discover is that, is that the presence of Jesus always brings healing and deliverance into people's lives. He always brings healing and deliverance. i don 't know sometimes the healing 's dramatic. I, I remember pastoring in Chattanooga, Tennessee, when I was a, a young pastor right out of seminary. A, a lady in my congregation got a diagnosis. Uh, the doctors had found several masses in her body, and, and they scheduled a surgery to take those masses out. I remember her coming by my office and, and asking a couple of our elders in the church to join us and. And we prayed. Her name was Connie. We prayed for Connie. We prayed that God would heal her body. And when she went back to the doctor's office three days later for that appointment, they ran the scan to get ready for the surgery as she was going into the hospital. And the doctor came back out. And he said, Pastor, or Ted to Connie. And she called me immediately. Hey, Pastor, just want to let you know those masses are gone. I've seen that happen. But I've also seen people where the surgery healed them. I've seen some people where, where, please forgive this if it's too hard for you, but I've also seen people where death itself healed them. Because you see, when you know Jesus, this isn't the only life you live. And when you know Jesus, there's a sense that death is just a doorway. It's not a destination. But when Jesus is present, people's lives are changed. In fact, the presence of God was so real in this hall of Tyrannus. This, this, this presence of God was so real in the, in the teaching and the working of Paul that look what happens when, when God's doing these extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. The, it says the handkerchiefs or aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Now I think that's, a, that, that's just an amazing story. Because here's what you've got a picture. Remember, I told you, Paul has been working all morning in a Mediterranean climate, hot, humid, doing leather work outside with fire, with metal. It's hard manual labor. And so what does he do? Like many of you, when you're out in your my, my wife, she has what I refer to as a do-rag because I grew up in Mississippi, all right? And I know what a do-rag is, right? And so she has a do-rag she puts on her head when she's working outside. And, and every time she's leaving, I mean, I'm like, you really? You're going to? Yes, I'm going to wear this, sir. Right? And when she comes back in, that thing is just filled with sweat. Now, me, I'm, I'm a little more sophisticated. I have a baseball hat. My baseball hat gets filled with sweat, all right? Um, and kind of, I think that's funny, because she's from St. Louis, and I'm from Mississippi. And St. Louis people are much more sophisticated than Mississippi people, I'll just let you know. And so, so when Paul is working, he's got this bandana around his head. Uh, they, they called it a handkerchief. And when he would sweat, when he would perspire, then he'd lay that one down and pick up another one. He also wore an apron, really more like a leather belt that, that he could use to hang tools on and, and, and could be a part of, of what he was doing. And when he would be working, he would, he would perspire so much. It would be kind of like you guys that play football, kind of like your pads, okay? And, and, and you do know, don't you, those things stink, Okay. Like after, after, several, the, 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 after several practices, you, you, there is a distinct order. For any of you in this room who have ever played football, if you walk, you can tell the difference in a football locker room and a basketball locker room, all right? Because the football locker room has a distinct smell, all right? Um, I, I played with a guy in high school who decided he would do a— he, would, he, he was the—we the, used to run an I formation. He was the fullback. I was a tailback, Right? And uh, which meant every play I had to come up and put my hands on his hips and then put mine to get the space. That was the way it went. And so as we did that, okay, uh, <laughs> Jesse decided he wasn't going to wash his pants the entire season. He just wanted to see what was going to happen with those things. Can I tell you that by the fifth week of the season, J- Jesse's pants stood up on their own when they dried, okay? He just, he just set them in the locker. You didn't even have to put them on the hook. You just kind of right there, right? That was the nastiest smelling stuff I've ever seen. Well, imagine that on a leather worker's belt. Imagine that in Paul working in that, and it's that kind of perspiration, it's that kind of sweat, it's, a, it's that kind of smell. And, and what's, what's happening? These aren't sacred things, these aren't like clean smell. No, these, these are just actually out of the everydayness of his life. But people began to take those things. Paul didn't give them to him. And by the way, he didn't try to sell them on TV, all right? So just let you know, the people who are on TV saying, if you'll send me this much money and I'll send you this, just turn it off, okay? Just turn it off, because that's not what this is about. What this is about is about a man who loved God so much that the presence of Jesus was there, and he's telling other people about Jesus. And as he's telling them about Jesus, and he's working manually, laboring in the heat sweat from his body would go into those handkerchiefs, into those do rags, and into those bandanas, and, and, and then he would and then into the bells. And somebody somewhere was sitting there one day and they're watching as he comes from work into the hall of Tyrannus and he lays his hands on somebody and he begins to pray for them and suddenly this man who couldn't walk can walk and this man who couldn't see could see and this man who's oppressed by all these thoughts that are horrible, he suddenly set free from them and said, you know what? I've got to take this to my friend. I've got I've to get this to my, to, 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 to my wife, to my husband. And so they began to just take the, the perspiration, really, the sweat And they begin to just take it to people. It's kind of like that story in the Gospels where Jesus was walking through a huge crowd, and as he's walking through the crowd and people are pressing up against him, this lady who had 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 an issue of blood, she'd had a hemorrhage for years and, and had spent all of her money on doctors. She eased up next to Jesus in the middle of the crowd, and all she did was touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, suddenly she was healed. The hemorrhage stopped right there, right then. And, and Jesus, in the middle of all this crowd, he stopped. He said, who touched me? And his disciples were like, are you nuts? There are hundreds of people. They're pressing up against you. Everybody's touching you. He said, no, 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 no. I, I, I felt something go out of me because of the faith of someone. And he turned, and this lady kind of fessed up. And said, hey, it was me. And he told her to go in peace. Her faith had made her well. See, living clean, living clean means living in the presence of Jesus so much that you allow him to heal you, to deliver you. And by the way, you can't fake this. That's why I love this story. I mean, there are some people who call the the seven sons of the Jewish high priest. They call his name, it's it's S-C-E-V-A, if you saw it on the screens when I was reading it. I pronounce it Sceva. Some people will pronounce it Sceva, some Sceva. I call it Sceva because it reminds me of the word scabies. And I don't know if you know what scabies are or not, but my first Trieste trip as an Anderson University student, a missionary, had us take ointment on our hands. Scabies are like little bugs that get inside the skin of people in places where there's not good hygiene. And we were in Panama and in the San Blas Islands off the coast, and uh, the missionary there said, we're going to run a clinic, and, and you guys you are going to, uh, you're going to put the ointment on the scabies. Now, I have to tell you something. That triest trip was the defensive unit of the Anderson College football team. And you've never seen anything until you've seen some of my teammates who were all conference and all Americans and that kind of thing. Putting ointment on their hands. And I promise you, I watched one guy, one defensive lineman, big burly guy, and he's going, oh, Cause putting your hand on somebody's head when they've got like like bugs underneath their, their scalp and rubbing this ointment on it. So for me, I pronounce it Scava, because it reminds me of scabies. <laughs> and it reminds me of the power of Jesus. Because you see that, that same defensive lineman? Yeah, He will tell you to this day that that trip was where he met Jesus. And it was in those kids where he suddenly realized the presence of Jesus. Because my friends, when Jesus is present, when he's present, you can't counterfeit it. Did you hear it as I read the story? These seven brothers, sons of the Jewish high priest Sceva, they're going around. They're, they're telling everybody, hey, we can, we can let you be healed. We can let you be delivered. And, and so they're exorcists. And so they're, they're going to drive the demons out of this man. And they go into his house, and they, and they look at him. And, and listen, they've never met Jesus They don't really know the presence of Jesus. They've heard about Jesus. You see, what they are is they are religious people. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. And can I tell you something? Religion will always fail you. A relationship with Jesus will never fail you. Religion will always come up. When adversity rises, religion will always come up short. But a relationship with Jesus, no, no, that, that makes all the difference. And this story, it's why I love it so much, is because it it lets us know just what's happening to us. Because you see, there are some of you coming out of COVID. There are some of you coming out of life. There are some of you in seasons of your life where you are oppressed and you are hurting and you are feeling the pressure. And you got to know, you can't fake this. You can't let everybody, you know, like clean you up to go to church, clean you up to be around the Christian people. No, no, you've got to meet Jesus. He's got to change your life. Because if you try to counterfeit it, if you try to do what these guys did, your, the end is going to be worse than the beginning. I, think about it. Seven guys. And the seven guys go in, and they try to use what they've heard that Paul's doing. And so they say, in the name of the Jesus that Paul teaches about, in the name of the Jesus that Paul's telling people about, uh, then, then, to this demon, leave the man. And I just, th- th- did you hear it? The demon looks at him and says, Jesus, I know. By the way, you've got to understand, the Scriptures teach us, even the Satan himself and the demons of hell know who Jesus is. And they understand he's already conquered them. If you want to read a wonderful book, read, read the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis sometime and understand how how much the enemy of your soul wants to take you down and that they even know who Jesus is. Here's the difference. They don't allow Jesus to change them. And so this demon says to these seven brothers, hey, I know who Jesus is. And you know what? I've heard of this Paul guy that you're talking about. But who are you? See, that's the great question, isn't it? Who are you? Who are you when the presence of Jesus is Making people whole again. Who are you when you see the tough times people are going through? Who are you in relationship to Jesus? Because I have to tell you something. If you don't know Jesus, you're just counterfeiting Christianity. Because Jesus, Jesus is Christianity. Knowing him is what it means and so then what i think is the beautiful divine humor takes place because honestly the demon could have just tried to scare the guys and make them leave but no he beats them within an inch of their life beats them naked and humiliates them and they leave the house running afraid knowing that what they were trying to do it wouldn't work can I, can i tell you something In the last 18 months, there are some folk, there's some folk from all over the world who used to call the name of Jesus, who used to proclaim the Jesus that their pastor taught about, who used to tell people about the Jesus that their mama had in her life, who used to talk about the Jesus that, that they had heard about from somebody else, but they didn't know Jesus. And when they hit COVID, when they hit COVID, it hit them so hard. And now, suddenly, like these seven guys, they're running and all their coverings, all all their defenses. Everything is just torn apart. Because they tried to fake it, tried to counterfeit it. But God won't be faked. And Jesus won't be counterfeited. And life will eat you up without Jesus in your life. And so, what happens? (laughs) Because these seven guys go running out, this city of 250,000 people from all over the world, third largest city in the Roman Empire, business people from all over the Lycos Valley who are there in, in Ephesus, who've been coming by the hall of Tyranius, people who were in the synagogue, all of those people. Now suddenly, they I mean, come on. You think it didn't make the evening news in Ephesus that seven exorcists who were Jewish high priests' sons were running naked through the streets? If you don't think that makes the news, take your clothes off, run down Scatterfield. Somebody's going to get you, all right? It's going to be tweeted somewhere, all right? And when people see it and then they hear the story, uh, guess what happens? They start, did you hear it when I read it? They start confessing the stuff in their life. They, they start confessing the stuff in their life. Uh, look at the scripture again. When When the seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Skavel were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? The man in whom was the the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And then people began to go to their house. Go Go to that next scripture passage, if you would. When this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. Now that fear is awe. They became in awe, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. That means lifted up. And many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get. I want you to get that the presence of Jesus not only heals and delivers... I want you to get that the the presence of Jesus not only can't be counterfeited successfully, but but the presence of Jesus, it'll cause you to have your hidden self cleansed when you come clean with Jesus. That's, That's the real point of this story. The real point of the story is that all these people who were claiming they knew Jesus, all these people who had a religion, all those people who had a, a, some form of, oh, the, the Jesus that Paul said, no, they also had stuff inside them, hidden stuff. Now, what happens when you see the real power of Jesus at work is that you have to come clean. That, that part of you that you think nobody else knows You've got to come clean with Jesus. You've got to let him know that you're afraid. You've got to let him know that you're hurting. You've got to let him know when you've rebelled against him. Because here's the deal. He already knows. So coming clean with Jesus, coming clean with Jesus ought to be just about the best thing you can do. And living clean with Jesus, staying in that relationship with him, that, that ought to make all the difference in the world for you. When I was a kid, I grew up, for those of you who don't know my story, my my father was a pastor, and he used to travel a lot and sing a lot, and my mother would play the piano, and sometimes he'd be the preacher, and sometimes he'd be the music director. And um, when he'd be the music director, these other guys would preach, right? And there was this one guy. Whenever he preached, it would scare me to death because he'd always tell the same story every time he preached. He would say, Now, when Judgment Day comes, Southern preacher, right? You got to get that right. When Judgment Day comes, all the people of the world are going to be gathered together, and one by one, you're going to step to the front of the line, and there'll be this great big movie screen, and the movie of your life. Everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought, it will play in front of all the people in the world. i got to tell you something. I'd, I'd be sitting on the pew going, oh man, I know what I did. I don't want anybody else to know what I did. And then he'd make it worse. He'd say, and every thought you've ever had, oh my goodness every 13-year-old boy in the room was just in shock you know and the whole world's gonna see so don't you try to hide anything from Jesus I have to tell you something I really wish I'd never heard that sermon because I really don't think that's true (laughs) because you see what what the Bible teaches us is that when the presence of Jesus is there and we come clean with him It tells us that he takes our iniquities, our sins, our failures, our thoughts, our bad deeds, all those things. And and, and what the Psalmist tells us in the 103rd Psalm is, is that God removes them as far as the East is from the West. What that means is infinity and beyond. When you come clean with Jesus, yeah, there's still gonna be some tough days. Yeah, there's still going to be times when you, don't, when you don't live up to expectations. Yeah, there's still going to be some times when you're hurt. And yes, you're still going to encounter sickness and disease and pain. Pain and uncertainty and chaos, they're just a part of life. But can I tell you, when you come clean with Jesus and you live clean with Jesus, He gives you strength for the pain and the uncertainty and the chaos. And when you ask him to forgive you, he takes all that stuff and moves it completely away. And so I just, in spite of my respect for that dear old Southern preacher, I have to tell you, there's not gonna be a movie projector. There's not gonna be a movie screen. There's not gonna be a judging God who's sitting up in heaven going, you don't." no, no, no. Instead, there's gonna be a, a heavenly father what he's going to say to you is, my child, my son, my daughter, come to me. Let me heal you. And and then if you don't know him, if you've refused to let him into your life, there's not going to be any big display of all of your sins for everybody to see. Instead, it's going to be something actually worse. Because the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God who created you, the God who wants to live with you and have you live with him forever, if you don't let him come live with you, he's going to look at you and say, you know what? Depart from me. I never knew you. I don't care how many bags of groceries you gave your neighbor. I, I don't care how many times you praise Jesus in prayer meeting I I, I don't care how many songs you sang If, if you don't let me in I don't know you and worse than a movie screen worse than everybody knowing all your stuff is the reality of spending eternity separated from the person who loves you more than anybody on this earth that's why we gotta live clean. That's why, like these people in Ephesus, we have to take the stuff in our hidden self and bring it before Jesus. And sometimes it's gonna cost you. By the way, did you, did you see that number? <laughs> that 50,000 pieces of silver? Do you know how much that would translate into in 2021 in this country? See, a piece of silver was one day's wages. So if you took a job, because I think right now it's $15 $15 an hour they're trying to get everybody to, right? If you had a $15 an hour job for eight hours a day, do you know that 50,000 pieces of silver would be the equivalent of $6 million? That's a lot of books. (laughs) That's a lot of incantations. That's a lot of stuff hidden in the houses of people who thought they believed. So my friend, this morning, whether you're with us online or on campus, my question for you is will you come clean with a God who can heal you and deliver you, with a God who cannot be counterfeited? With a God who can take even your hidden self and let you know that nothing you've done is beyond his love, his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. If you will, I'm gonna ask you while we while we sing a song here, I'm gonna ask you to make an altar right where you are because Jesus is right here, right now. If Jesus could be present in the sweat of the Apostle Paul, he can be present in the sanctuary at Eastside Church. And I'm going to ask you right where you are to take these next few moments while the vocal team sings and say to Jesus, here I am. Change my life. Come live inside me. It's just that simple. That's all you have to say to me. Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I promise you, if you'll be honest with him, you, if you'll come clean, he'll be right there to help you live clean.